This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Agua. They'll do everything they possibly can to tweak you and bring you in and literally make you crazy. Because the crazier you are for the stuff that they say, the more it consumes you, the stuff they're sending you, the more money they make. This is pretty simple. This is a this this is all about the money. And no one on any of those channels is going to stop one day and say what you and I are saying. You're not going to see Anderson Cooper or Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity or whoever, name your favorite person on TV, stop and say, by the way, what I'm doing right now is I'm manipulating you. And it would really be smart if you would control how often you see me on TV, because that's the only way you're going to be saying, hell no. They're going to say, you need to watch me 24-7, right? So given that there's nobody out there who's going to teach us these rules that you know, and maybe that I'm starting to understand, where the hell are they going to get it, Doctor? Well, you're going to get it by realizing your own behavior on a day-to-day basis. You're going to sit there and watch and say, am I the model I want my kids to turn out? And Mm. if you're seeing your own behavior start to spike, you can't change your kid. You can't help your child learn resiliency. You can't help your child be mentally strong unless you yourself are mentally strong. So it starts with you on what you're spilling over to your kids. I'm Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. And uh, the last podcast that we did, I think you guys uh, remember, we started looking at some of the crazy things that are going on in this country. This whole thing with FTX, just trying to figure out how $36 billion disappears does make us crazy. But it only makes us crazy if we allow it to make us crazy because we spend way too much time thinking about it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to understand what's going on in the world. There's nothing wrong with wanting to understand occasionally and understanding what the news is and being informed. What is wrong is when every second of every day you're trying to catch up with what's going on about this guy or that guy or why you hate that guy or why that guy hates that guy. It's like the world becomes a giant soap opera and you're just trying to be a player in all of its parts and you can't do that. And that's why we're kind of calling this, you know, how to stay sane in a crazy world. And it's not that the things that are happening in this world today, as I mentioned yesterday or the other day in my podcast, was it's not that the things that are happening today are any different than the things that are happening in the past. People survived World War II. People survived the Holocaust. People survived World War, you know, World War I. People survived the Depression, the Dark Ages. There have been horrible times. The only difference between today and then is we have to live it every day because somebody is shoving it down our throats. No matter what we do, you turn on, you get online, boom, it's there. Turn on the TV, boom, it's there. You go to YouTube, boom, it's there. Not only is it there, you know what they do? You know this. They do these little algorithm things. Oh, you like that? (laughs) Here's a hundred more of it. After a while, we're consumed, right? And and that's kind of what's going on. And we talked about that. It's not the only thing. There are other solutions to this. But can you imagine? I mean, I'm old enough to remember when you got home from work, the average American, let's say, and he sat down in front of the TV and he got a half hour of news. That's it. 
That's it. The rest of the time, you spend time with your kids, your wife, your husband, your family. You went out and played catch with your daughter. You went to the park. You planned your trips. You did things together. Today, no. There is no half-hour newscast. It's constant. Now, imagine how much easier life is if you were able to live like that again. Imagine what our kids and our kids' kids and whatever are going to go through because they're, they're, they're in a world where it just doesn't freaking stop. It's like drinking from a fire hose. It's, it's, it's all consuming. And it, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it, it, it makes people nuts. People are nuts today in the United States because of this. Everybody's chewing on everything and everybody. And they're consumed by this stuff. And that's why, you know, yesterday I said, look, delete all the news apps from your phone. You want to look for something? Write it in. Look for it. But don't have apps that are constantly reminding you of who did what to whom. <laughs> that's crazy. Pick a day of the week when you sit down and actually take in the news. Stop following the big giant news channels. They're not there to inform you. CNN, Fox, New York, all of them. They're not there to make you smarter. They're there to make a lot of money off of you. You know? And then just put yourself on a new schedule. Decide, you know, Sunday from 2 to 4, I'm going to pick up all the stuff that somebody sent me. I'm going to warehouse it. And then I'm going to open it and read it. I don't need to be reading something just because my uncle, my obnoxious Uncle Joe, just sent me something. I'm not going to have to open it up and read it and stop my day. But we do that. Why would you interrupt a special moment with your loved one? your daughter, to read some stupid thing that's going to make you angry, sent to you by your obnoxious friend Juan or Juanita. <laughs> but this is this is the problem. And it's what we're going through. And, you know, we've been talking about it the last couple of days because I think it's one of the biggest issues America's facing right now. Its own sense of sanity in a world that seems insane. And not necessarily because of the news. But it's not the message. It's the way we're being messaged. Think about that. It's not the message. It's the way we're being messaged. Joining us now, Dr. Uh, Michelle Borman. She is fantastic. She, she talks. I mean, she, she's a motivational speaker. Um, her latest book is called Thrivers, Surpassing Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. Surprising reasons why some kids struggle and others shine. I, I I can't help but think, by the way, she's offered 24 books, so this is something that she obviously has spent a large part of her life doing. I can't help but think that the, the, the kids who uh, are doing well are the ones who are focused, who are surrounded by love, who are surrounded by moments where they can find themselves and that which I just described as the preamble for this podcast does not describe those kids, right? How, how the hell are they going to do it, doctor? Well, I, I'm just, my head is nodding so much it almost fell off. I'm in so much in agreement <laughs> with you. I think the first thing is we got to realize it's an accelerated, fast-paced, digitally driven, brand new kind of an unpredictable world, voila, which means we need to reboot and rethink how we're parenting our kids. We already know that one in three has got some kind of a mental health disorder. But back to your question, I think is fabulous. And that is when we look at kids 
or big old things called grown-ups mm. who make it through uncertain times. They've almost always got, says the science, three things going for them. You mentioned the anchors, caring people who are there in their lives. And boy, we need to look at them as well because they become models to us. Well, let me uh, stop you there. Let me stop you yeah, there. Because, okay. that, because that's the point that I just made. And I think we can almost compartmentalize yep. how if, if you're let's say the average American gets home and he wants to watch, I don't know, pick your poison. He he watches Fox News because he hates Biden or he watches MSNBC because mm-hmm. he she hates Trump. Pick your poison. But they'll sit there for hours on end yep. stewing in this poison because that's really what it is instead of spending quality time with their kids. So yep. my dad your dad, perhaps, or your mom, who used to spend quality time with you as much as they possibly could because our parents worked their asses off. Um, Our kids aren't getting that. When I say our kids, generally speaking, American kids today, I think are being deprived that because of this constant messaging. Am I wrong? Oh, you're absolutely right on the mark. First of all, yeah, yes, on my dad and my mom, and it was half an hour of Walter Cronkite. And then we sat down at the dinner hour and we read a book or we played a card game and we had fun. What is the best reducer to a stress right now is just calmness in a home. Hmm. Walking into a house, which we do know that our kids, the most stressed out they are, is before they walk into that door. And seeing there watching us on social media, by the way, 66% of kids say we're the ones to plugged in, not them. Wow, so it's really? Out on phone. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> because all of this stuff is, we forget, it's not learned in a textbook. It's not a fancy program. It's watching others and you mimic those That's the thing is we've got to be the parent who raises up to the point where a kid sees hope and optimism. And of course, we're stressed. But how are we handling it is one of the best lessons to our kid handling it. The other thing they've got in their lives that this amazing that we forget is that we became a a kind of a GPA test driven society. And I'm not saying stop helping them be successful in school. Mm -hmm. But resilient children also have learned protective buffers. So they have a plan B to go to. They're not coddled. They're not helicoptered. It's a parent who says, so what's the problem? What are you going to do about it? Well, let me help you sit and brainstorm, but I'm not going to solve it for you. Hmm. We find that another thing, Rick, that's so fascinating is science says one of the easiest things that kids do who really are resilient is they have a hobby, a healthy hobby. They don't go looking at the TV. They don't play another video game. They get out knitting or card games or pet the dog or just something that they can go to and just de-escalate and uh, turn off the stress. Stress doesn't have an on-off switch. It has a slow decompressing. And I think what's happening is we're never decompressing enough. So it's always a steady buildup. And then the next event happens and whoa, where we don't have any of that reserve that helps us be able to How do, stand up and speak this out. This is this is fascinating. I love where you're going with this, and I think it's a really valuable lesson for all of us who are uh, listening to this because you do have to begin to wonder how do we get refocused, uh, reconnected to our own set yeah. of values, to the things that matter most in in our lives, and 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 here's the key. Here's the key. Here's here's where the rubber yeah. meets the road with the question that I'm about to ask you, because this is the most important part. Teach us, doctor, how do we stop allowing ourselves to being thrown off our game by yep. all, all, all of these other, I call them the messengers, uh, 
who are trying to poke their head in every possible time they can to get in there and make us think about Biden or Pelosi or or some star in Hollywood or some 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 lady who did something and we watched it on a video and that, now we're looking for another one and it, it's crazy. How, we need to crazy. find a way to deal with that crap. Well, here's the bottom line that social psychology tells us, and it's pretty darn simple. You don't change your behavior unless you know why. Why would I want to? And so Mm. maybe it's all of us putting the pause button on, and I'm talking five minutes, and just come to think of, what am I modeling to my kids? How Mm. do I want them to turn out? Am I being the kind of parent that's going to help them be able to thrive? And I'd say chances are the majority of us will go, I don't know about that. Maybe it's turning off that off switch on the the TV. Maybe it's subscribing Hmm. to a newspaper. Maybe it's starting to look at good news reports that are coming out and talking about those every night around the dinner hour, as opposed to the doom and gloom that is having an absolute horrific outcome on all of us, on all of our mental health. But I'm telling you, the ones that I'm concerned about most is when you say one in three American children will now be diagnosed with a mental health disorder there goes our future because there's nothing that matters more than how our kids turn out. And are why we is doing that? Job what, we what, want? What, why are we? Is by the way, you say one in three. I don't know the history of this. Is yeah. that in fact prob? Is that the worst that we've seen in our country in yes, my lifetime? Yours? I, yeah, this is a really interesting point because we always want to blame COVID. What happened was I started writing Thrivers when I saw the CDC reports coming out, the APA reports coming out, the AAP reports. I mean, the most prestigious organizations we have. It was one in five American kids. Then came COVID. And a crisis only amplifies a pre-existing issue. Hmm. So now we're looking at, okay, if you don't have those protective buffers and a calm place and and a plan B and what am I going to do instead or somebody to emulate, it's going to be okay, sweetie pie, we're going to get through this. Even if you don't believe it, just keep saying it. After a (laughs) while, you'll buy into it. What happens is your kids begin to pick up on it. So there you go. We got a problem. So our stress. Okay. Uh, uh, this is a this is a national health crisis. It's not a you know a disaster. This is called in terms of nature. This is what we can control. It's not part of DNA. It's not part of GPA. It's part of what we want to do to raise up strong generation. Look at the science. We got this. Because thrivers are born are made, not born. Interesting. So the first thing I imagine then, based on what you said, combined with what I said, and I've spent most of my mm-hmm. life in media, right? I was a, yep. an anchor at CNN, an anchor at Fox News. I was an anchor at NBC. I was an anchor at RT. I was an anchor on Univision because I speak two languages. So I've spent my life in a business that I know, and compared to when I was in it, now it's even worse. They'll do everything they possibly can to tweak you and bring you in and literally make you crazy. Because the crazier you are for the stuff that they say, the more it consumes you, the stuff they're mm-hmm. sending you, the more money they make. This is pretty simple. Yeah. This is a this, this is all about the money. And no one on any of those channels is going to stop one day and say what you and I are saying. You're not going to see Anderson Cooper or Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity or whoever, name your favorite person on TV, stop and say, by the way, what I'm doing right now is I'm manipulating you. And it would really be smart if you would control how often you see me on TV, because that's the only way you're going to be saying, hell no, 
They're going to say, you need to watch me 24-7, right? So given that there's nobody out there who's going to teach us these rules that you know, and maybe that I'm starting to understand, where the hell are they going to get it, doctor? Well, you're going to get it by realizing your own behavior on a day-to-day basis. You're going to sit there and watch and say, am I the model I want my kids to turn out? And Mm. if you're seeing your own behavior start to spike, you can't change your kid. You can't help your child learn resiliency. You can't help your child be mentally strong unless you yourself are mentally strong. So it starts with you on what you're spilling over to your kids. It starts with you doing a little listening to yourself and your dialogue. Maybe it's some parents say, I I started by just journaling it. Or I started by asking my kids, what are you seeing in me? What do you want me to be that helps you? And I came to my aha moment that said, turn off the TV, start watching, listening to the news or reading the news if I need to. Subscribe to a newspaper is really Mm -hmm. profound. And what you'll find is that all of the research says it may be the piece that helps you to get a handle on this. Now, other than that, though, that isn't that going to be alone because every person is different. You're different, me different, yeah. the person next door is different. What's your reoccurring nightmare that's that's getting in your way? Do you have a way to reduce your stress? Uh, what kids I love, I've been doing focus groups with students all across the U.S. and they're mind boggling. Teens come up with the best ideas every single time. You know, we are the most stressed out generation. I said, yeah, okay, but what do you need? And they said, well, first says, these are the most incredible teens. You got to give us a repertoire of stuff, a repertoire of stress reducers. We got to figure out what works for us. Mindfulness may work for her. Meditation may work for him. Give us stuff. And then the second thing is you don't learn this stuff in a health unit, you know. We got to practice it. And if we don't keep practicing it until it becomes a habit, we won't be able to do it without you. I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, textbook 101. That's exactly it. So find maybe during these holiday times, here's your moment. Is there one little thing you can do as a family? I mean, a nature walk for some people that really reduces it. Basketball for your bolder kid may work for it. It yeah. could be creating some kind of a retreat corner in your home where if you start to get a little stressed out, Natalie from Dalton said, I listened to Mozart. I said, how'd you come up with Mozart? She said, my mom got crafty. She started playing all this different kind of music over the over our intercom system. And every time Mozart came on, I just felt myself really getting a, whoa, I really <laughs> reduced myself. So I loaded up my iPad with Mozart. Find what works for your kids and then practice it as a family because this is your moment. And I'm telling you, there's only one thing that tells you you did a good job as a parent. Can your kids handle life without you? You said something interesting at the very beginning of this conversation that kind of suddenly, you know, sometimes when someone says something and there's a picture in my head of it, And I bet you there was a picture in the head of a lot of people who are listening to this. You guys who are listening to us right now at home, you probably got picked up on this. Well, you said families, uh, your family in particular, after watching Cronkite would go to the kitchen table and Mm -hmm. you'd all sit around and play a board game. You said you play a board game. Now, now, now that seems something that's, you know, somewhat simplistic and uh, rudimentary and who the hell plays board games anymore. But, you know, there was something about that experience. There was something about that sharing where you're in an environment where everyone in the group, let's say there's, in my family, yeah. there was 
me, my two brothers, and my mom and dad. I remember we played Monopoly together. Monopoly used to be the biggest deal in the world. I don't know why. It was like, you know, you're playing these games. I mean, my, my wife says she the fondest memories in her life were sitting around playing Candyland with her, with her, um, with her mom and her sister. Um, and you know, who the hell even knows what that is anymore? There's people listening to you and I right now who think we're talking about some weird thing from another planet. But there was something about the engagement in that moment. Yeah where the people in the group were facing each other as opposed mm -hmm. to the environment we now live in where we all come together in a room and face forward at another messenger talking to us rather than us in a circle engaging with each other. The, the engagement with each other part just doesn't seem to exist anymore. And I think that's crucial to our well-being. I, I am so with you on that. What we've created is a me society when you're looking at a screen and you're not looking at another human being. Yeah. And what we're seeing is a nosedive in empathy. 40% drop in American teens in 30 years, faster than any other country in the world. When you look at the where did the heck this happen? It stopped about the time when we stopped playing Monopoly in Candyland and we started looking at cell phones around huh. the year 2000 and it kept going. Hey, Folks, this is real cheap. Dust off Candyland, dust off whatever it is, Monopoly, chess, and then you make a couple of rules. The rule number one is you're going to shake on the rules and you're going to abide by them and you're going to encourage each other at least twice as you're pulling along. And what you'll actually be doing is teaching social skills that our kids yes. say they really desperately need as well. Oh. Always look at the color of the talker's eyes when you're talking. Oh my gosh, simple little things. Parents, this is not rocket science. This is finding simple little habits that you want to create those wonderful memories, reduce the stress and bring back humanity 101. And that's what you do. You just use such an important word, social skills. That's one of the yep. biggest concerns out there today is that yep. if, if we don't do this and if all we do is talk to our computer, talk to our TV, Watch to watch our TV, um, you know, that five screen experience we live under now, whether it's our phone or our laptop or our the PC or or our, or or our TV set or whatever it is, there is no engagement there. So you will not learn social skills. What the yep. what the hell's going to happen, doctor, to these well, kids in the Well, big future? time happens because we know, we know something here. Almost in every school district that I'm working at, every teacher is saying that kids are regressing socially. They're hmm. more anxious. They're more uh, irritable. They don't, kid teens say, we don't know how to talk to each other. We can't read each other like we used to. Well, we've been watching z just facing a screen all day long. That could be one helmet. Mm -hmm. But if you're also coming home and watching your parents on a phone or watching a TV instead yeah. of interacting with you, you got another issue. And here's the best thing. Why you better do it? Not only is it the, the heart of a relationship in your home with your family, but socially competent children, social competence is a part of resilience. When you do that and you go, how do I teach that? Real simple. The best way to teach social skills is not a worksheet. It's by showing, hmm. doing, not telling the kid. So you walk to you know the supermarket and you say hello to three people. Mm -hmm. You wave to people. What you're doing is you're modeling it. You encourage. You're watching the football game. Wow, look at those guys giving each other high fives. Way, let's do that together too with this family. You start rebuilding and taking that up, and it'll help kids not only have a stronger relationship with you, 
If you only make one rule in your house, I'm serious. Always look at the color of the talker's eyes. Your child, starting at age two, will begin to start looking up at a human face as opposed down at a screen. And that's one of the most highly correlated traits of well-liked kids. That's interesting because I think oftentimes we do that with our kids and somewhere along the line we stop. It's almost like yeah. once we, once I guess it's a cute factor or something. Oh, look at the baby. Oh, look at the toddler. Oh, yeah. look at my granddaughter, my grandson. It's great. They're four years old. They're five years old. Then they go off yeah. to school. They come home. And we don't do that anymore. We stop teaching. We stop playing. We stop doing all that interaction, which I think is so necessary. I wonder if that's part of the problem as well. Yeah, it's a huge part of it because what we now are facing is the loneliness epidemic. And we looked at it and we said, why is this stress rising so much uh, to the point where it's not just the kids, it's the adults as well. Yeah, we know yeah. that one. But one of the things we we finally realized is empathy is not soft and fluffy. It's transformational and it's absolutely critical. And what happened for two years is that the people that we needed most in our lives, yeah, we got to Zoom with them, but it wasn't hugging them. It wasn't sitting next door to them. And a lot of our anxiety went up because we didn't have those anchors in our lives. See, kids who are resilient have protective buffers in their life. We've been talking about that. But they also have anchors and people in their life, relationships, and then they have a place to go to that can just help them relax and just debrief and breathe. You put all those together, you got a kid who's going to be a little healthier, but also a family that's going to be healthier. I think you're saying things that make an awful lot of sense. And it makes me think of, I happen to have a pet peeve. And mm. I share this with my coworkers um, and I share this with uh, my kids and my wife all the time because I'm a real stickler to it or for it, but I'm not sure all others are. In fact, I think if this were a battle, I'd be getting my ass kicked. Um, it comes down to this. I think, and I'm for fewer emails, fewer tweets, mm -hmm. fewer mm -hmm. texts, and more conversations. Mm -hmm. I always ask my kids and my friends, why did you text that? When you could have picked up the phone and had that, the person who's receiving the text has a phone. You know that. That's almost mm -hmm. like somebody is in the same room with you, and rather than talk to them, you went over and wrote something in front of them for them to read. Why would you do that when you can talk to them? Now, I understand There's, there is a reason for text, and there is a reason for emails, and there is a reason for whatever other form that you want to use. But generally speaking, if you could choose one or the other, yeah. Always, always choose to speak to a live human being. There's so much more in the communication than just those little cryptic words. Am I crazy? Yeah, those cryptic words also, we just get the nuance. We just get the, and we don't get the deep of what's really going on. And we lose the interest. And once again, the empathy with the person. And it's so crucial yeah. for our kids and so crucial for us to be able to look at someone. And even, I mean, there's nothing better as a parent to be able to look and watch your child and be able to step into their shoes and go where they're coming from. So, oh my gosh, so many simple little things we can do. I, I've been, look, this is not an overnight thing. I have been studying this thing called resilience for 30 years. And I am so concerned. I've, I've worked in 30 countries around the world and it's not just our problem. It's happening everywhere. The best thing is all of this is teachable. It's not another fancy tutor. It's not another pricey program. It's simple little everyday things. Resilience is, is also made up of seven really essential strengths. You mentioned integrity. 
it's one of the highest correlations of kids who are able to have a strong moral code. So if the challenge comes, they go, I know what I stand for, because mom and dad have been talking about those so, so long that it finally became me. So now you have this inner strength. Another one is confidence. But it's confidence, not giving the kid a trophy because they breathe, yeah. but it's helping the child realize what your real strengths are. Who are you, sweetie? You know that 77% of the time, here comes Guild 101, 77% of the time we focus on our kids' deficits, not their strengths. Hmm. You got to start nurturing who they are. It doesn't mean we're going to help stop helping them because they're struggling in math. But figure out who this wonderful little human being is next to you, because that's the foundation for I got this, mom, because I know who I am. And I got this is the key to a resilient child. It's not us doing it for them. It's the kid being able to do it for themselves. Doesn't happen overnight, but it's a maybe it's our new game plan, a slow, gradual process to raise thrivers. Well, yeah. And, you know, it doesn't happen unless there's leadership, like in everything else in life. I mean, mm. the parents... I hate to say have to set the example because that sounds like, you know, Grandpa Jordan's here. But there, but there is, there, there, we do have to always look at ourselves to understand the effect that we're having on those around us. But by the way, I, I had something happen the other day that, I, that I'll share with you. I was, uh, we woke up, my wife and I are doing our usual thing. We're having coffee in the morning. It's a ridiculously early hour for most people, like 7.30 or 8 o'clock or something like that. And uh, suddenly my daughter comes running into the kitchen. She goes, make them stop, make them stop. And I said, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at my wife like, is everything okay? Well, apparently the gardeners or the folks who were, you know, working on the house as they routinely do. And, you know, these guys are hardworking guys. They get up really early and they start using that blower because they are making the property really pretty for us. They're, you know, they're landscapers. They're, they're, they're doing their jobs. And the guy's working that thing, that, you know, that blower, making that really, really loud noise. And, you know, she's like in the teenage years still. So what does she want to do? She wants to sleep till noon. Um, and when she's not in school, of course, <laughs> she sleeps at noon all day. But I remember when I used to do that, too. And she was really, really angry. So um, my wife says, I have the solution. I will text them. And I looked at my wife and I said, no, honey, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't text them that they're doing something wrong when they're not. And it could probably be misconstrued to somehow. Remember, they work for you. You hired them to cut the grass or cut the lawn. So now you're you're telling them what to do based on something that your daughter shared with you. I think this is better handled with a conversation where we go to them and we say something to the effect of, you know, my my daughter's home from college and she would like to sleep in a little more. And uh, oftentimes when you guys are working the blower, you're literally like two feet from her bed and it's like startling her. Is there any way that maybe we can, instead of doing that at between 6.30 and 7.30 in the morning, push it back to like at least 9.30 and maybe work on the other side of the property where she may not hear it. And of course, I did that. And I went and had the conversation. And he said, oh, of course, no, I understand. You know, I should have been thinking more when she's home from college. We should not do that. And, and it was fine. But I, I thought to myself, if we had just sent, her, sent the dude a text and said, hey, stop doing that at 6.30 in the morning, the effect, the the understanding, again, my favorite word, engagement with other human beings would not have been there. And the result, I think, would have been different. Just one example in a life happens to be our family. But 
I bet that kind of shit happens all the time. It happens all the time. But you know what? The best thing is, it's also the modeling resilience. Instead of doing the text, it was what else can we do instead? And if if our kids know that they're, whatever the problem is, all they have to do is storm their brain and there's an answer in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. What happens is half the stress comes down because they know they have a little bit of control. You can't control what's going out there in the real world, but I can control how I respond and react. What else can you do instead? I think is one of the coolest lines you can tell a kid, ask a kid and then brainstorm. Yeah. I mean, we do that in Fortune 500 companies, but is one idea, what's another idea? Little kids, little teeny kids, starting with age three and four. It's a pocket problem solver. You just take your, your hand out of your pocket and go, Thumbkin, what's the problem, sweetie pie? Now, these two next fingers of, you know, pointer, ring man, middle man, what else could you do of all of the things? What are you going to do differently next time? Role play it, show mommy, go out and do it. Oh my gosh, now you got a thriver again. Do we Simple, fear, do, 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 doctor, as I hear, based on my story, and yes. my wife is exceptional, and I love my wife, and she's, I'm far smarter and better human being than I am, but is there a part of us that fears conversations? Are we, where, where before it's all we had, so we had to converse, we always look to converse, we always look for that engagement in that conversation. Today, it seems like, well... First the text, then the email, then something else. And then maybe in the end, if I'm stuck with it or, you know, it's a last resort, I'll I'll go ahead and go talk to this person. Shouldn't that conversation be the first alternative and not the last? Yeah, it's absolutely crucial. But here, when you said, are we having a problem when you mentioned that, I'm going to say yes. And it's called risk aversion. We're finding more and more of our kids. And it started with, now it's us. I don't want to hurt his feelings. How can I say it? What should I do? When in reality, that's the way you solve a problem. We saw this about 10 years ago. Once again, it was prior to COVID and that it only amplifies, crisis amplifies. Where Ivy League school teachers called Professors 101 Hmm. said, we're starting to raise excellent sheep. They're followers. They're Hmm. extremely smart but they're not thinking outside the box. They're afraid to say the wrong answer because it's going to ding their grade. Now that's a real tragedy because if you really want a strong generation and and us, we need to be able to voice our opinions. You can always tell your kid, hey, you don't ever have to agree with what the person is saying, but at least let's listen to where he's coming from. Mm. Yeah, and and I think there's even a uh, hesitancy to even answer the phone sometimes in families. Mm -hmm. We used to you know, grab the phone because it was probably somebody we cared for. Unfortunately, there again, like in the case of the media, it's not about the message. It's about the messengers. It used mm-hmm. to be that we could sit down and enjoy the news for a half hour and then go on with our lives. But now they're literally just stampeding us with this stuff as if we were drinking from a fire hose and we can't handle it. Same thing with our telephones. It used to be we enjoyed getting a call. It meant somebody needed something from us. It meant somebody was going to share something with us. It meant somebody was going to want to have a conversation with us. Today, somebody wants to sell us some crap that we don't need, and they're basically trying to take advantage of us. So, boy, it's so hard, and I feel bad for the kids because... If our world is difficult, unless we get control over this stuff, maybe with legislation, maybe with regulations, maybe with laws, I don't know. We are allowing the bad people to control 
our lives in a way that they're affecting us psychologically and are harming us, not just for this generation, but for generations to come? Well, you know, here's another point. You've got my brain going in different levels here because we're also raising a population of children who all they have to do is ask Siri for an answer. They go to Google and they find one answer and they think that's the solution. So I think as we're playing those board games, (laughs) we go one thing more and we have a little bit more conversation and we say to the kid, well, assert yourself. Tell me what your opinion is. I may not agree with it, but I want to hear. But I also, A-R-E, give me a reason for it. And then give me the evidence. Show me. Prove it. And don't just give me that one piece of evidence that you Googled. Give me at least three sources of where you're coming up with that information. Start with a five-year-old. Convince me, sweetie. I want to hear your idea, but convince me. That's how we start to raise kids who can think for themselves. Because voice advocacy is one of the other things that a resilient kid has. They've got to be able to thrive. Hmm. You'll also reduce the stress when you know that somebody's listening to what I have to say, but you know how to point those, you know, you can put your opinion out there without offending the other person. That's a lost art. I I love the fact that we're addressing the specific uh, causes in our lives today and how we can possibly better understand them and then try and deal with them. There's Mm -hmm. another one that's happened over time that I've noticed with people, with myself, is our our inability to manage our expectations. Whether it's something as simple as I, I, I may ask someone to do something and they didn't get it done, and rather than just assume they probably had a busy day and they're gonna get to it tomorrow, my need for immediacy, not just mine, yeah. but our society's need for immediacy yep. is no, I told you to do it and I wanted it now. And, and this yep. is not just with, you know, with whether it's something that you need, you know, it, 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 it could be anything. It's like we, we, we don't understand, many of us, that the universe doesn't work on our timeline. The universe has its own timeline, and we seem to think that this is what I wanted. I didn't get it, so now I have a time. I have a right to be upset about this. Whether it's the candidate that I voted for didn't win, it's okay. He'll vote. Ne- he'll win next time. Your football team maybe didn't win. It's okay. They get to play again next Sunday. You know, you you had a, a conversation with your husband and he did something that you don't like and you felt like he should know that you don't like this. No, he doesn't. He may not know that you don't like this and you don't have to be angry at yourself and at him and at the world because something we, we just need to tamper our freaking expectations because it seems yeah. like that's one of the most prevalent problems. Well, it's it also it's, in the world of the, what's making us insane in an insane world. It I all think that, is. Yeah. It's called the demand versus the capacity of what we have and where we're going for it. And what our yeah. capacity is like this and the demands are here. It means we got to do something here to say, are those expectations realistic? I'm sure they are. Yeah. But it, some cases when we're asking our kids, you got to use the rubber band technique. Your job is to figure out where they are and then gently stretch them without snapping them and keep on stretching them and don't let them be rescued from it. But the other thing is, is that when you want to throw in the towel and say, give up, a lot of it is because you can't handle the stress. So what are you doing to reduce that stress? So burnout isn't the outcome and you keep using the excuses. Find what works for you and add it to the plate and I think the best thing that we're overlooking is 
work it as a family. When you come up with a stress reducer for yourself, you you do it as a family together. Hmm. Even if it's two minutes a day, you've got to do something because I I think we really are at a point where um, everything you noticed, you said there is really becoming more and more prevalent. The perseverance and the grit's going out of us. And that's really a sad commentary as well. You know, Gee, this is becoming very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's good yeah. and it's engaging and it's and it's, yeah. and it's important to have these conversations. Yeah. And the big takeaway for me in all of this, and you know, this has really been a delightful conversation, is um, despite the fact that your specialty is trying to make children whole and healthy and improve their wellness in general, everything that you and I talked about zeroes in not just on children. In fact more so on the parents of those children. This, yes. is a, this is an adult conversation about adults with somebody who specializes in the wellness of children. There's something ironic about this. Yeah, but we overlook that. We overlook that we, we automatically, I think one of the biggest misnomers that I'm doing when I'm talking to parents is they're blown away that first, that resilience is teachable. And second of all, but I thought it was, it was something that was locked into their DNA or part of their temperament. Yeah. And once they realize it has nothing to do with your zip code or your GPA, but what you decide to do and how you parent, what you'll begin to do is not only help yourself. But it's also going to help your kids. Yeah, that's a win-win-win, and that's how we raise up not only stronger children but stronger families and stronger generation. So that makes me think to ask you directly. Then, when when you work with people's kids, how mm -hmm. often do you put the emphasis on the people instead? All the time, it's a huh. people thing because this is—it's not a skill; it's a people, and we've got to work together. If we, if we, first of all, when I teach a skill to a child. How much better is it for the parent to model the same skill or how much better when yeah. I work in a school of don't just pull the kid who's struggling out. Where else is he seeing other people doing this right? And I don't care if it's the custodian, the cafeteria worker, everybody sees kids. If we're all modeling together a go, you know, take that one, two breath, which is, by the way, the fastest way to reduce stress. Take a breath from deep down in your abdomen like mm. you're riding up an elevator, hold it and slowly let it out. Exhale twice as long as the inhale. Footnote on that, I learned it from Navy SEALs working on Army bases. <laughs> they said, you should be teaching this stuff to kids. But if we all spread the wealth together and come up with these same strategies, it's going to make a major difference on all of our mental health and well-being. Dr. Michelle Borba. Boy, you're fun to talk to. Do you actually, <laughs> um, do you, when, when you talk to kids, if I or anybody listening called you and said, I want you to maybe spend some time with my children because I think they could use your advice. Would you bring the parent into the conversation with the kid or do you do the kid first or do you do the parent first? How, how do you, how do you juxtapose those, uh, those meetings, well, those sessions? Ideally, I'd love to have the parent there, but I want to hear the kid because very often the child feels like, Oh, am I saying the right thing? Cause mom or dad are listening. The end, though, what I've been doing is assemblies at schools, and I have never had such response from particularly teens. Mm. And the one thing that I keep saying over and over that why it resonates for them, I said, there's lots of ways to reduce stress, but you have to find what works for you. Mm. I'll give you a repertoire of six of the best strategies, what works for you. And then when you get it done, your homework tonight is to go home and teach it to your parents. 
it's oh. like a win-win. So, Teach it to your parents. You know, I love that. Your parents. Yeah, <laughs> but, put it on the website. Let's start getting, because I think in all fairness, look, parents are out of tools right now. They're at their, their wit's end of what now, what can I do? You know what's so, interesting? What you There's something you said that is unique to my experience, our experience. You know, this is the Rick Sanchez podcast and we are Agua Media and we are kind of Latino focused. And uh-huh. Latinos are obviously the biggest group now in the United States. And we're uh-huh. growing so fast that, you know, soon we'll be, you know, 30% of the population of the United States. And there's something really cool about us as a cohort is that we're like a lot of people. We're very close to our families. And because yeah. many of us come to this country as immigrants, we teach our parents. My parents don't speak English. I had, when, when, when a lawyer would call our home, they'd talk to me or my brother. When my parents had paperwork, we did it. So when you're an immigrant child in the United States, you actually do what you just described. We work through our parents as opposed to the other way around. In many ways, that's why immigrant children end up being some of the most yes. successful people yes. in the I've history of the that. United I've States. I've worked in Chile. I've worked in Mexico. I've worked in Guatemala. I'm so impressed with that concept. And that's like Kind of like game board boards. We've lost that as an art. So what I'm looking at is now is, hey, if we teach this stuff to kids, your homework tonight is teach it to your parents. That's great. And then they cite it that they've done it. I'm going, oh, how simple is that? And now what happens is the parent goes, wow, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Simple little things sometimes we overlook. That's awesome. I've got a group of, you'll love this one. I got a group of kids in New Mexico that are teens. The counselor just called me and I said, so what are you guys doing? They said, well, we started a book club. We're reading Thrivers. I said, okay. I said, no, no, no. It's the teens who are reading the book. Then they're going to come up with notes and teach it to their parents. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've lost the entire thing. That's brilliant. You know, Simple what, one final thing, and I just, just in case somebody out there is listening yeah. to us and still has that hang up, you know, because there are people who have hangups about this, about going to see someone who is going to help them um, yeah. because they're afraid to share, because they fear the experience, yeah. because we're grown up in some, there are still people out there who think if I go see somebody about my mental attitude, it means I'm crazy and I cannot admit to that. So I'm not going to cop to it. So I'd rather just stew and keep it inside than share it with people. There are still people who think like that. Um, what, what do you say to those folks, be they African-American, Latino, or, you know, good old fashioned, uh, you know, Irish Americans listening to us in Boston? Well, I'd say that the two words that I hear the most that crush me are if only I'm dealing, unfortunately, with so many children who have ended their lives. And I would also say, parent, nobody knows your child better than you. So you use the two index. You don't need a degree in psychology. TOO is watch your child. Watch your child carefully. Are you seeing too different of a behavior? Are you too concerned? Is that behavior spilling over to too many other areas? Then pick up the phone and get help. The best thing is somebody says it's all normal. It's absolutely fine. But you're now going to be able to sleep a little better because you've you've taken that moment to find out is everything okay? If one in three American kids is suffering from a mental health disorder, that means chances are if you're in a row of three houses, one of those three houses has got a family problem and a crisis. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions and nothing saying, son, daughter, uh, I got a question for you. How are you feeling? Right. 
I mean, engage yeah. in any way with yeah. any question because it'll yeah. lead to another question, right? Yep. Absolutely. The things that we overlook are the circles under the child's eyes, the pronouns that they use when they come back from college. Are they describing the college as my place or that place? Are they describing the friends that they have? Is there joy when you say how's school? Watch their response hmm. and their reactions. Simple little things add up. And what you're looking for is notice every kid's going to have a bad day. Every one of us is going to have a bad day. Yeah. But are you seeing the pattern that keeps on going? What you're looking for is that pattern. And then please, please get answers and response. Dr. Michelle Borba. Her book is called Thrivers, Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. She's written 24 of them. As you heard in the conversation, she's passionate about this. She knows her stuff, and she thinks that there's some things that we need to do today to be able to cope with these uh, kind of difficult times we're living in. Not because the times are any more weird than the past, but just because of the way it's being received and delivered to us. And we've got to find a way to be able to deal with that. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do, as she was able to uh, point out. Is there anything that, um, how do people reach you if uh, if they wanted to contact you to maybe oh, give them some answers? You. Well, it's, it's, this is really profound. My website's michelleborba.com. <laughs> Michelle is a what L Michelle and Borba rhymes with Zorba. There's a lot of free information on there and, and uh, just video links that you can look at. Just think, uh, what I'm trying to do is help parents think outside the box. Yeah. It's a new era. It's uh, Mayberry is gone and June Cleaver is no more. We need to relook at what we're going on and realize that um, in a different, accelerated, fast-paced, digitally driven world, our kids are going to need a different skill set. It's not going to be costly and hard, but they need to learn how to thrive. And that's up to us. There's simple things we can do to make a major difference on their lives. That's very helpful, doctor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Michelle Borba, she is a uh well, Dr. Michelle Borba, and uh, she has some great information. So if you want to get a hold of her, just reach her at their website, Michelle Borba. It's michelleborba.com, correct? Yeah, it is. Got Thank it right. Yay. Uh, Yay. Thanks again. This is the Rick Sanchez podcast. We're so glad that you had a chance to uh, spend this time with us. This, I, I know we're all looking for coping mechanisms. We're all looking for new information. We're all looking for inspiration and aspiration. And, and that's what we try to do, uh, essentially, during a time when it seems to be a little more difficult to find that than uh, other times in the past. You can find our podcast, the Rick Sanchez podcast, by going to aguamedia.com. It's there. You can also leave a comment or reach out to us. But of course, we're ubiquitous. So you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify or Apple or anywhere else. And if you happen to see us on the old thing called the uh, YouTube thingy, thingy majiggy, uh, well, do me a favor and help us grow our audience and subscribe. I like that. Jerry's doing a little uh, a little music in the background there. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rick Sanchez. Dale, andale. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Agua.